morning to all those that are with us this morning. So thankful for your presence. We're very grateful for that. And especially those that are visiting with us. Thank you for being with us this morning as well. And those that are watching online, thank you for being with us also as well. We've been studying the Song of Solomon for the past few weeks. And you can keep your Bibles open to there today because we're going to draw our attention to some specific text in the Song of Solomon, but we're also going to look at some related verses elsewhere that will help us as well. This woman that's in the Song of Solomon, she evidently was a dreamer because she would have dreams about her beloved. Where is he? He's escaped me. He's no more. And I need him. And that's what we find here in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5. She's having a dream. And she says, I sleep, but my heart is awake, verse 2. Obviously, she's not conscientious of what is going on. She's asleep, but her heart awakens. Even in the midst of her sleep, her heart longs for him. How wonderful it is to awaken from sleep and to know that all is well. There have been those that have been said that they were sound asleep. And when those Coast Guard planes come flying over, I mean, with those prop planes, it sounds like the end of the world, doesn't it, in some cases? I mean, to awaken thinking that the end of the world is about to come, and that's when you break out in prayer, oh, Lord, forgive me of everything that I've ever said or done, right? Uh, maybe we ought to be already prepared for that before we wait until a noise comes to, that we go into prayer. But sometimes we can be awakened from sleep, having been in the midst of a bad dream. But there are those who dream about wonderful things as well, like being in the midst of a loving relationship, only to awaken to find that reality is something far different, right? I mean, I want to awaken from a nightmare and then know all is well, you see. Others may be having a blissful dream, but, but only awaken to a nightmare, just the opposite. And so I want to talk to this morning about something that's very, very serious, and that is the attacks upon the, the marriage relationship, if you will. And there are many. It seems like the respect for the husband and wife relationship is really, it seems like it's a thing of the past. It's a thing of the past. People don't elevate it to the position that it once held in our communities and in our society. Some people say, well, I haven't just given up on marriage completely. After all, it doesn't seem to be working that well for those who are married as our friends. Well, we can't become cynical about marriage itself. I've told you this many times before that marriage does not fail people. People fail marriage. And so God has given us a wonderful book that guides us even in this area of marriage. In the midst of wisdom literature, the Song of Solomon is God's wisdom for the marriage relationship. Now, our job as we come together and we do this periodically is to study the Word of God, is to be built up, is we are to be built up, is we are to be edified. We're to, and, and that includes edification for the home as well. 
when we come together. And that's why this, this series of messages is very important also. A preacher will let down his congregation if he refuses to preach on matters that pertain to the home. And we're talking about that which God ordained, that which God had said was good for society. As goes the nation, so goes the home. But I think it's the other way around, isn't it? If the home goes all right, so goes the nation. And that's something that we need to realize and understand. God says it's, it's good for individuals, and thus it's something that we desire to partake. And I would also give this word of caution that marriage is so very important. So very important. Never enter into it unless you have the maturity to know what marriage is really all about. Don't just haphazardly. How many times have you heard a couple that got married and they said, well, later on they, they got divorced and, and they said, well, we were too young when we got married. You see, don't, don't enter into marriage unless you are mature enough to know what marriage is really all about. It's better to remain single and in a single state than it is to be in a bad marriage. And yet I want us to understand the very beauty of marriage. But sometimes in order to appreciate something that, that God has ordained as beautiful, maybe we have to see how man perhaps has perverted or distorted that institution. You know, when we talk about the church, I love the, the preach on the church to be able to see God's wisdom uh, when you see the church, uh, God's wisdom for saving mankind. But it's also true that whenever we preach ab about the New Testament church, we have to show how others have been deviated from that divine pattern. We have to show how that these people had a misunderstanding of what the church of the New Testament is really all about. And so there are those who have perverted marriage and therefore it's our responsibility to be able to hold up high of what God says that the marriage standard is really to be. And thus we want to point out that there are attacks against the home and that we're not to be surprised by this because the devil entered right into the Garden of Eden to that very first couple that God had created. The very first thing that he did was to bring damage to the home. We think about sin entering into the world because Adam and Eve had given in to that temptation of the devil, but rather that the devil was interested in disrupting this, this beautiful relationship, not not just the relationship that they had with God, but their relationship that they had between each other to disrupt that in any way possible. But before that, we know that it was nothing but bliss. Living in a paradise on earth. Beautiful married love. You remember God brought the two together, but after that, that they had to do what the rest of us do, and that is to, to work on their marriage. We have to work on our marriages. And it, it wouldn't be as it was before, but I believe that there are some tragedies in the modern day home even today. And in association with what we're studying in the Song of Solomon, 
I, I want you to remember these verses as well. In Colossians chapter 3, and you can put these passages down beside the Song of Solomon and be able to notice their, their connection. Here we have wives submitting themselves to their husbands. Paul says in Colossians 3.18, he says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Those wives who refuse to understand biblical submission are going to have a hard time relating to this beautiful woman here in the Song of Solomon. Those husbands who become bitter against their wives do not have the proper love and appreciation for them. They cannot even relate to this man that's in the Song of Solomon. The constant theme throughout the Song of Solomon is, is its devotion toward one another and how it should be. Obviously, we understand that our premier devotion is to the God of heaven, if that is true. If I can say that I'm devoted to the God of heaven, then I must be also able to say I'm devoted to my wife. Because if I'm not devoted to God, chances are I might not be devoted to my wife as well. Very, very important. No husband or wife is ever disappointed when he or she has a mate who puts the Lord first. Because that one who puts the Lord first will know and will honor what God has said about the marriage relationship. Let me tell you, one of the basic tragedies that have have occurred in the modern day home is the tragedy of a disrespected husband. Now, Remember what Paul wrote there in verse 18 of Colossians 3 when he said, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. The world, and especially the feminist movement, tells us something else, doesn't it? And there are a lot of external factors out there that have caused great difficulty in this verse to be, to be obeyed. My heart goes out to the, to the woman who has to make it on her own because some man did not do what he was told to do. And he left her and he forsook her. But let's suppose we have a man who does honor God and who honors his wife. And then she in turn should honor him and to respect God's authority in the home. For you see, God is a God of order. And God is wanting that order in every area of our life. God says we are to respect authority, whether it be in the nation, whether it be in the church, or whether it be in the home. Very, very important. God says, I I made the man first, and I made him in a particular way, but I want him to be a man in the home, and I want him to be respected. But in our society, in our culture, for some time now, there has been what I would call the war against men where the idea of submission is mocked. And there have been leading women in the feminist movement, such as Gloria Steinem and others who have mocked the Bible itself and then tossed it aside. Well, we don't need that. We don't need that ancient book. It won't work for us, they say. And in recent years, some of these feminist leaders have been described 
by the Apostle Paul is being likened unto a member of the Taliban. Pretty much. That's how much they despise his writings. The same would be true for the Apostle Peter who wrote this in 1 Peter 3.1 when he says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Treat them right. The text says, This man to whom you are to respect is one who still doesn't know the Lord to the best of your ability. You honor him. You treat him right. It may be through your manner of living that he might see where he needs to become a Christian also. And many men have through the influence of a very godly woman. Very much so. Now, God made us different. There's no doubt about that. And did you know that by nature, the woman is the one who was made in a more submissive spirit? That's right. She's the one who has a more submissive, who's more submissive in art and attitude and in spirit. God made her that way. And some have suggested that in that particular way, she can be more like the Lord because of what Jesus did when he submitted to the will of the Father by going to the cross, Philippians 2, 5 and following. And so here's a woman, if you will, a woman who respects and honors her husband. And when she doesn't do that, you know what she does? She rebels against her nature. She rebels against her nature. There are a lot of people today who are rebelling against the nature that God gave them. A woman who is disrespectful toward her good husband is such a woman that is rebelling against her nature. You know, God said to the man that it's not good for you to be alone. I will make you a helpmeet, a companion, one that's suitable for you. And so it is that Paul would then write later that this woman was made for him. What does that mean? Well, made for him in the sense that he needed a lovely companion. He needed a, a completer, one who completes him. I've said that on occasion and to Teresa, that she completes me. And she might not have really just really understood what I was saying, but that she does. She's the one. Does that in some way make her inferior? No. It just means that our role is different God has made us that way. By no means is she inferior. When we talk about God's authority in 1 Corinthians 11, there are, there's even one passage that says that the head of Christ is God. Did that make Christ inferior? No. And yet I've always been taught that there is a triune God. Each member are equal to the other. Well, they are. And yet Christ Jesus did what? He submitted himself to the will of the Father so that salvation's plan might be accomplished where you and I can be saved. He submitted himself. And so it is that a woman who is equal to the man says, because I respect God's authority in the home, I will submit myself to him. I will allow him to be my leader. I will allow him to be my guide. I will allow him to be my protector as well as to be my friend, my lover. And so submission is out of respect 
for God's order. Here in the Song of Solomon, in all of these chapters, we have a woman who is submissive in nature. She looks to the man to whom that she marries, and this is God's ideal man being pictured here. She looks to him as her protector and her provider, if you will. And therefore, she's secure in him. And she clings to him and she respects him in every way. I would say this to the husbands, that a good husband will listen to his wife. A wise man will listen to a wise woman, right? A wise man has to make decisions and those decisions affect the entire family. And while I'm interested occasionally in what my children's views may be, I'm much more interested in the views of their mother, my helpmate. I expect my children to honor their mother. Never have I ever allowed my children to come back at mom and say, well, we'll only ask dad because he's the head of the house. No, she has her thoughts as well. If mom has already said something about a particular matter, then I will likely honor what she has already said. Don't pit me against her or me or her against me in any way. And they know that. We are a team in the house and in the home, and we both together have the rule over our children. There was a young man who got to a certain age, and his daddy had to go off on a business trip. And that teenage boy looked at his mother and he says, well, now that dad has gone away, I'm going to be the head of the house. She says, no, you're not. No, you're not. She straight him right quick. No, mom is the head of that house while dad is gone. So here's a woman who's respectful of her husband and he listens to her. When he makes decisions, he will consider her viewpoint. As a matter of fact, her viewpoint may be best. It might be the best, and he will listen. But she supports him anyway, doesn't she? Wives, submit yourselves to him. She is supporting of him. And then somebody says, well, what if he wants me to do something that's not right? Well, I remember what Peter said. He said something about that in just a general statement. He says that, that can work in any situation. He says we ought to obey God rather than men, Acts 5.29. Always obey God over anyone else. But this is a woman that we learn here that, that honors and respects her husband. She does not do things that chip away at, away at his manhood. How could she do that? By failing to brag on him. By failing to, to demonstrate to others how, how much she loves him. When she puts him down in front of other people, she's doing some great harm there to that man. When she acts as if she cares little, if anything, about what he has to say or what he has to offer, she's, she's only hurting him. Now, there's one thing that he needs. And oh, how I see this woman in the Song of Solomon has given this to her man. He needs respect. He needs a cheerleader, and that's his wife. Great damage can be done to the psyche and into the emotions of a man who does not have a woman who supports him. This is biblical, and this is what God expects. And so it's a great tragedy today that we find today in our homes the tragedy of the disrespected husband. 
But now I want to talk about this war against men. I mean, it really starts out in childhood, uh, a war against boys, if you will. For example, girls can wear shirts that says, girls rule, right? Girls can wear shirts that, that are derogatory about the boys, but a boy better not wear a shirt or anything like that because he will get into trouble if it says boys rule, right? That's not right, is it? And therefore, we're not properly teaching our children early in life about the distinctions that are made between the boy and the girl. And we're not teaching our children, our boys and our girls, how to relate to the others according to God's plan. Is there a tragedy on the flip side? There really is, because Paul says in verse 19 of Colossians 3, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Don't become disinterested in them. Guard yourselves. Make sure she is your top priority. Is there another human relationship that's higher than this husband and wife relationship? Not that I know of. And when you're trying to build relationship with many other people, you better remember to concentrate first and foremost upon your mate. Let all the others go by the wayside. If that's what it takes to save your marriage and to build your marriage, for in God's sight, there is no higher human relationship than the husband and wife relationship. How dare a husband or a wife choose sides like siding with the children or siding with the parents instead of coming to the defense of the other? I have a responsibility, if you will, even if I disagree with my wife, to make sure that those disagreements is done in private and always be supportive of the wife in front of her parents or my parents or in front of our children always. It's just best. What's the other tragedy? If husbands are often disrespected, then I find that the wives are often feel unloved. Unloved. Men need to know they have respect. God made man a certain way, and we pick on this thing we call ego. And surely we, the ego can get out of control. And we've been around those that we say, you know, I, I would just like to knock him down a notch or two, right? Uh, just to teach him a lesson. He's got too big of an ego, right? That can get out of control, and I understand that. But man has been given a drive to succeed in life. And if he didn't do that, just think how his family would be hurt. Do we not have a situation today where there are fewer and fewer people who want to work? Tell me of a place that is out there that doesn't have a sign up hiring, looking for employees. We need workers. It's out there. It's prevalent. It's, I mean, unbelievable. Everywhere I go, they're hiring. We're the workers. They need to get out there and get to work. There's something wrong here. And we find that among those are many men. You know, there's something wrong here because man was made in the very image of God. And God works. And he gives man a nature that drives him to work, to succeed. 
There's the wife that's behind him that says, you can do it. And I'm with you. He needs that. She needs something very special too, and it's called love. Well, isn't it true that a woman needs respect as well? Yeah, sure she does. But she wants to be loved. And truly the man is to be loved, but he also wants respect as well. But a tragedy is the unloved wife. Don't be bitter against them. Isn't that what Paul said? Have you ever heard somebody introduce their husbands or their wives as my better half? It's sweet, isn't it? She's my better half. Like I have a good side and a bad side, but the good side is her. It's sweet. But you know, it's very important that we don't have that bitter, that anger in a marriage relationship. There needs to be happiness and harmony harmony whatsoever. There are a lot of husbands who misunderstand the very nature of the headship. I mean, they, they just like a, they're, they're just like there are many women who misunderstand it as well. Some women say, well, under no circumstances will I submit myself to my man. Then, then there are the men who say, well, just let me teach my wife a little bit about headship. And you know, sometimes what they use to force their wives into submission is this thing that becomes a club, and that's the Word of God. Is that what God intended? No. No. They will use that Bible to beat a particular point upon the heads of their wives. I'm your boss, and the Bible says so. If you don't like it, get out. That's not what God intended. Have you ever read that anywhere? I've never read that. You will, you will do what I say and beat their wives into submission and do so with a look of self-righteousness. As if to say, well, that's what God told me to be. He is your boss. That's not what the scriptures teach, is it? I want to tell you something. Those of us who are in Christ are married to him. We're married to him. He loves us. Christ Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for it. He loves the church as his own bride. Never at one time has our Lord Jesus tried to beat us into submission, right? He doesn't beat us into submission, but rather he chooses to love us into submission. What is it that causes me to have a desire to follow him? Because he loves me so much and he loves you and he loves we make up the church's bride. And so it is that the husband can make this wife happy. She's got the, the right attitude and the right heart. And if you just choose to love her. Did you know that there's something oftentimes that's missed in Ephesians chapter 5 by the abusive husband? And here it is in verse 21, Ephesians 5, 21. The text says, we are to submit ourselves to one another in the fear of God. There is a sense in which I'm to submit to my wife. There is a sense in which we submit ourselves to our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not about putting ourselves first. And so this husband that God says is ideal is the one who's looking out for the best interests of his wife. And that's called agape love. Agape love. 
That fellow in the Song of Solomon has a great interest in his wife. When she's in the midst of her dream and she cannot find him, she awakens and he says, I'm here. You have not lost me. I'm here. I love you. I'm your friend, your lover and protector. I will not leave you. I love you. Remember, they're married. We had a wedding last week. So that nobody got that wrong. The marriage relationship. She's in the midst of her dream and she cannot find him. But he's right there. And so submitting ourselves one to another, really, marriage is just an agreement between two people, two equals, where one says to the other, I'm going to submit myself to you because I submit myself first and foremost. That man in return says, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I'm going to shower you with praise. I'm going to lavish you with love. Everything I do, I'm going to do it for you because you mean that much to me. Because you see, this husband must have read somewhere. Husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a whole lot of love right there, isn't it? A whole lot of love. And so it is just when I think... Boy, I must be the best husband on earth. Then I read that verse. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I think Christ was a better husband for his bride that he even died for. As a matter of fact, according to what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 7, if a man is not willing to love his wife, he might as well not pray. If he's not interested or concerned about his wife, there's no reason for him to pray. God will not listen to such a man. If you're concerned about your relationship to God, then be concerned about your relationship to your wife. Wives, be concerned about your relationship to your husband because that goes for you too. Think about that for just a moment. There are wives who have husbands who can be filled with remorse over something that's been said or done. These men go to their wives whom they love. I can tell you something that's bothering you. I can tell you, I can tell that you're hurt. I'm sorry. Just get away from me. Don't, don't you do that to that man. Don't do that. Or consider, for example, a wife is hurt and the husband, and he just doesn't know what is happening. He doesn't understand. We're like that. We're men. We don't always understand. And then we ask you out of love and concern. And the wife says, there's nothing wrong. What do you mean? Don't do that. Because there's something is wrong for you to even to say nothing is wrong. Nope, I'm fine. Don't do that. Here's a man who says, I'm concerned about you. I care about you. I, I love you. You then sometimes will say, I can't talk about it now because I'll start crying. The godly man will wipe away those tears. He will. And so there's a tragedy today. And it can be the tragedy of the disrespectful husband, the tragedy of the unloved, unloved wife. Paul says, don't be bitter against one another. Don't let conflict rage. Because in our marriage relationship, we only have two options. You know what they are? Either we resolve the problems or we divorce. And God hates divorce. So you better work it out. 
Oh, there's that four-letter word again, W-O-R-K, work. It's one or the other. Now, I know many good women have tried to save their marriages, but they didn't have any cooperation. And I've known some men who tried to save their marriages, but they didn't have any cooperation. And it takes two to be in agreement on this. And God blessed those men and women who tried desperately to save a wrecked marriage to salvage it. Now today, when we find such individual, individuals, we must give them our lodge and our encouragement as well. And so it's very important that we understand this. There was a couple in Alabama that they were members of the church. They won this competition in the Good Housekeeping magazine many, many years ago. Tell us of your success in your marriage. You've been married for, for 50 plus years. And this is, what, this is what they wrote together. We gave when we wanted to receive. We served when we wanted to feast. We shared when we wanted to keep. We listened when we wanted to talk. We submitted when we wanted to reign. We forgave when we wanted to remember. We stayed when we wanted to leave. And that's why we should fall in love with the book of the Song of Solomon. It reminds me of what I need to do to make sure my wife knows that she's loved and that she's satisfied. And in this most precious relationship that God has given us, I want that for you as well, my dear friends. You read this chapter on your own. And tell me you don't see that. Read it together as husband and wife. Maybe there's a husband or wife here this morning, maybe online, who says, I, I know the first thing I've got to do, and that's to improve my marital relationship, and that's to commit to Christ. That is to become a Christian today. Tomorrow may be too late, but today is the day. God has given us this day. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today if you truly understand what you need to do. If you truly understand how to have that good husband life relationship. Because if you're not devoted to God, how can you be devoted to your wife? And if you're not devoted to your wife, how can you be devoted to God? They go hand in hand. If you're not a Christian, can we encourage you to become one? By your faith and obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of his death, burial, and resurrection. To then repent of those sins, to pray that God will forgive you. As long as, long as you go down into the waters of baptism, God will forgive you. And make that good confession that Jesus is the Christ. Come up out of the waters of baptism after that burial to walk in newness of life, a child of God ready to take on the world, ready to, to experience that wonderful relationship with God in Christ, and thus to, to experience that wonderful relationship between a husband and a wife as well. That is just a paradise here on this earth compared to what it would be in heaven. And if you're here already a child of God, you wandered away, come back. Be restored back to that first love. Won't you come as we sing? 200.